Welcome to Field and Foley, episode 15. Joining us today is Bastian Gerner, a renowned freelance Foley artist and Dolby Atmos studio owner from Dusseldorf, Germany. With well over 70 film credits to his name, Bastian is a master at bringing sound to life through Foleybook. His expertise extends to studio organization, inventory management and field recording. And he loves to share his experience through his fantastic videos as the Foley teacher on LinkedIn and Instagram. For the past four years, he's also worked in the world of video game Foley, contributing his audio artistry to Ubisoft's global audio team. Today, we delve into the captivating world of Foley art, Dolby Atmos, and the intricacies of crafting soundscapes for both cinema and video games. Welcome, Bastian, and thank you for coming on the show. Yeah, thank you very much. It's a great honor. I'm really happy to be here. Thank you, thank you. So the first question I have is, um, that's instantly when I saw your profile pictures, when did you decide you wanted to own your own Dolby Atmos studio? I mean, the idea was there since the format was born. Um, unfortunately, I never was able to work in a facility um, with an installed Dolby Atmos system. Um, so I left de facto motion uh, in 2019 before they installed the system. And then I went to Ubisoft um, where we planned to uh, build a studio there, um, which didn't happen before I left the company. Mm. So um, when it was clear that I'm able to build my own studio, I definitely wanted to have it as an Atmos studio. And so did you build like the whole studio yourself or did you contract people for certain aspects of it? No, um, I did it um, with a complete team of experts. So um, the acoustic was done by MB Acoustic from Osnabrück. And the studio planning was done by Heiner Niemann, who works for Digital Audio Service in Hamburg. That's awesome. That's awesome. And how, how does it work? How do you get like a certified Dolby Atmos Studio? Is it like, um, do you have to go to, through a process after you build it to get it like certified or something? Yeah, but it's more before you build it, you should start with that. So um, when we were planning the studio, we had um, David Ziegler from Dolby involved throughout the whole process. So he could always see um, where we're going to place the speakers. And um, yeah, he reviewed it and um, gave us okay. And then once the studio was there, I had a, um, a measurement certification day uh, mm. with Dolby. So they sent um, Roger Baltensperger from Flameworks Audio in Zurich. And um, he flew in and then measured all my speakers and did the whole uh, setting of the delays and the EQs um, according to the Dolby curve. That is very cool. That sounds like a lot of work. <laughs> but um, would you say it is worth it in the end? It's like, are you happy with your studio? Yes, definitely. I mean, I also filmed the whole process and made a documentary out of it, like a 42-minute documentary. Um, it will be released this year. Nice. And... Um, it was a, a lot of work, a lot of planning, a lot of constructing and so many things to consider, starting with the electricity. I only had like one phase in the room mm. and um, yeah, 3,500 3, watts is not enough for all the gear in my studio. 
Um, so I think I had to invest 6,500 euros only for <laughs> getting the electricity in that room. Oh, wow. That sounds like a lot. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was quite an undertaking, but definitely worth it. So I'm sitting here enjoying myself every day. Finally, I have a place where I can really rely on my setup and be just happy with um, listening to stuff. And then also, um, it's the first time actually I have a, a real poured concrete on earth ground level um, that mm. I can do my foley on, which is also a game changer for me. So even though I don't have so much space, it's only like 19 square meters, I'm really able to do all the work I want to do and I can do it on the highest level. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I I resort to like bringing in stones and and bricks and stuff like that to create my mini surfaces here. So I can appreciate having like a whole uh, concrete floor. That's that's a big help. <laughs> yeah, it's it's really uh, something else. But also the little stones, if you decouple them properly from the floor, mm. you can you can achieve great results with that. And um, yeah, working with the, the Dolby Atmos format, um, how does it impact the way you approach sound recording and mixing? Does it like influence it right at the recording stage, or is it more in like after you recorded it, you place it and you have like this this great room to mix it properly in? So as I'm working in Foley, um, my recordings are all in mono. Um, I tried certain things with um, uh, binaural and also with. Uh, stereo shotgun microphone from audio technica mm -hmm. and we thought maybe for video games it is um, interesting and for a couple of incidents it actually was but to be honest i don't see like in a daily on a daily basis um, the use for that so like 99 of my recordings are mono and um, so yeah it's more this object-based approach um, that I can then use later on in the mixing. Yeah, that makes sense, yeah. That was what I was also thinking. I mean, I myself also record most of the things in mono because it will be placed in engine and the, the engines nowadays have like great convolution reverbs and other stuff to place them properly. Um, the only thing I, I really like is um, I use either stereo recordings or nowadays I have a, an ambisonics mic, um, which is cool for creating like ambiences in the background. Yeah, of um, course. Because you can place those and at least it like, yeah, you can turn your head around and it actually works with that format. But yeah, but otherwise, uh, most of the things, of course, are, are mono. So yeah. same here. So so in video games, when you have like a, a situation where the player is kind of fixed in a position, then you can approach audio on a 2D level, you know, and record yeah. binaurally and create create that environment natively then with that recording but as soon as you start moving within the scene that already is then obsolete yeah absolutely it's just like edge cases maybe some cutscenes or yeah that makes sense yeah but even cutscenes nowadays you can you can move as a player right right interactive cutscenes most of the time those are those are implemented yeah um it's, it's always bad if you take control from the player that that's yeah, makes you aware of it's a game and now I can do anything. <laughs> that also makes like Foley so much more complicated because mm. um, you have to divide all the sounds in so many sections and um, you cannot also as a Foley artist from a pers performance perspective, you know, when I approach a linear scene that is really linear, mm. I can already work perspective into my performance. 
Yeah. And and that is really, really important to be able to, you know, um, let's say monitor your work or be happy with your work while you do it. Because if I, let's say there are four people walking in a scene and you have different perspectives, uh, foreground, background, and then you perform everything on a 100% uh, protagonist level. Mm -hmm. um, after you're done, you will have like such a chaos within the playback that that I would be really unhappy to deliver something to a re-recording mixer or a supervising sound editor uh, because there's so much work then to be done to make it work. So as Foley artists, we try to you know build uh, the perspective, create the perspective, and make it already work on the Foley stage. And um, with the interactive uh, cutscene, that's not possible because I have to trust that the game engine is doing all those you know um, perspective changes and attenuations. So um, yeah, it was still it was really like a, a different approach to me, and I had to wrap my head around that. Also, like for example not cutting the high end on my Foley was the, the first learning process I had when I started working in games. Because in film, I want the, the Foley to be, let's say, in the lower third of the screen. Yeah. And I don't want it to be in, 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 the, in, the, in the top area where the faces are, where the speech is. Um, and that is not possible when I record for a video game because that, again, is also handled by uh, the engine. And the middleware. Yeah, exactly. And sometimes you need those Foley signs to be really upfront if you need like the player feedback. And so that is sometimes even decided like in engine with, with the dynamic mixing. So um, yeah, how, how do you then approach like creating specific Foley for video games? Do you do different perspectives? So you have a range to choose from later on when it gets implemented? Or do you try to find like the most neutral perspective, which I don't know if that exists even? Yeah, I, I would go for one perspective that is also due to the rooms I worked in so far. I, I believe if you want to go with, you know, far, mid-far and close perspective, you need a really big Foley stage because yeah. otherwise you cannot get around the early reflections and uh, therefore it does not make sense. And um, in, to the contrary, I, I, thanks to Tim Nielsen, by the way, he had this microphone tutorial where he showed um, the accelerometer from Brühl and Kier. And um, I looked into that and we, we bought this thing. Um, and this is the, just like the best contact microphone I can, I can think of. And it enabled me to record like really close up perspectives for uh, VR. Mm. Um, that is like unprecedented to me. Like every time I'm, I'm using this thing, like, you know, this is connected with B-Wax to, to the object. And then you have, you have like a, a very crisp, full-frequency range sound that is just so enjoyable. And especially for VR, you can, can, you can create this um, hyper-realistic closeness for objects that you sometimes need in VR. Like imagine you have something in your hand and then you... Um, hold it close to your ear and shake it. Let's say a shaker. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then if you have this ultra close perspective, then it really feels that it's really in front of your ear, right? Yeah. And uh, we did that with like a knife or something. And it just was an amazing result and uh, gives a lot of immersion. So I enjoy this uh, accelerometer a lot. Also, when I record, um, let's say, metal resonances, mm -hmm. I 
put the thing on the metal resonator and then another world opens up and it's just so much more intense and it's unbelievable. Like I did that just yesterday um, and I was so happy about it. <laughs> Yeah, I can totally relate to that. Um, new gear stuff is always fun. And uh, that one is on my list as well to get. But for now, I, I haven't had like something where I was like, okay, it's worth it to buy this now. But um, yeah, uh, now that I hear you talk about it, uh, it's it's gone up on my to-buy list yeah, <laughs> again. <laughs> it's, unfortunately, the, the one that Tim Nielsen um, recommended is not in stock at the moment. So mm. we have to maybe wait for next year till they have it again. Okay, but it's good for my budget then. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and so speaking of recording, um, one, one question I always ask all my guests is, um, what was the first sound you ever recorded and why did you record it? Mm, my voice as a rapper. Your voice as a rapper, German or English? <laughs> German. Oh, nice. And does this still exist or is this something which is so far back? Yeah, yeah, I'm still active. No, no, I'm still active. Very passionate about it. Nice, nice. Maybe we can link this in the show notes. That would be interesting. Yeah, yeah. Course. Very cool. So your recording started with, um, yeah, more like a music background then, I would say, right? Yes, yes. Yeah, most of the people come from from music. and But then what, what sparked you interested in, in Foley specifically and made you pursue it as a career? That was a long process. So it started after maybe seven years into the music world, trying to become a successful rapper so that I can live from that. Um And then at a certain point, I decided to switch my priorities because there were only two things in my life. Like, let's say since I was 16, mm -hmm. I, uh, to me, it was clear I'm either um, make it as a rapper or as a sound engineer. So, you know, pursuing that rap career, the sound engineering was always like a side hustle mm -hmm. that I never could get far in. And then after seven years, I said, um, so age 22, 23, 23 maybe, I decided to look into film sound because that was at that point the only thing I could imagine that I have not looked into. So I wanted to make a career out of that and uh, that's what I then eventually ended up doing. So my path led me through not being accepted at the university in Babelsberg um, and then finding an apprenticeship in Berlin as a a Mediengestalter, like a media designer uh, for audiovisual media. And there I could learn everything because I did this in a post-production sound facility, Basis Berlin. Mm -hmm. And from, from, uh, from those guys, I learned basically everything, like all the necessary techniques of dialogue editing, sound effects editing, mixing, And I did it with real projects there for almost three years. And that basically set me up for my career. So after that, I worked in uh, another studio called De Facto Motion. I, I stayed there for seven years. And within that seven years, I then um, developed into becoming a Foley artist. Nice. And yeah, speaking of like especially Foley, because it's something that I feel... Not a lot of people really know about. I mean, even if I talk to people that don't know much about sound, if I mention Foley, sometimes they say, oh, yeah, there's the, the people that make sound with like different props or something. Mm -hmm. But um, I mean, there's a lot to it. Just like you said, like perspective and um, finding the right props, which is also interesting. And also like performing the, the, the right, 
yeah performance to the to the, the yeah to the goal you have um but like for yourself as a foley artist what, what is your favorite part of the process is it the, the recording or like the finding the props or when you, when you like nail the performance and you say like ah yes this one feels right the whole thing is really enjoyable like being not in front of the computer all the time mm. moving you know standing up looking for things using my body using my creativity um, I enjoy the process of just having something in front of me in the in the picture and then thinking about it okay how can I how can I make sound for that and and this is not really this you know thinking thinking it's more this this creative process like mm. just just letting the creative thing happen and then just follow that impulses and try it and then realizing sometimes ah that doesn't work and then uh, trying again and then uh, nailing it as you said is then always like a very um, uh, pleasant thing um, so the reward is always there like when you work you finish a scene you play back the scene ah it sounds great okay let's go to the next so it's like a constant affirmation of doing uh, great stuff and so enjoyable and after a full day of work you then also feel your body and i mean it's it's really physical when i when i started with that um i had like pain issues with different sections of my body and um only after a while i adjusted um to the thing mm. and i realized that now because when i worked in games there was not so much footsteps that i did and when you work in linear media that is maybe one third up to one half of your day and not doing footsteps then changed my body again so when i'm doing footsteps now um because i'm now starting as a freelance foley artist doing linear stuff again i just um recorded a, a cinema documentary uh, this week um i i instantly feel my body my hip you know my knees yeah and mm -hmm. uh, i have to build those muscles again now Yeah, absolutely. That's that's something that's always uh, also rewarding for me the, the the activeness of the job because it's not just like standing or sitting in front of a microphone and rattling stuff around. It's like you move a lot. You try to perform and yeah, contort your body sometimes in different ways to get that sound. And and for me, it's, it's also the, the the field recording part is like this getting out into the nature or woods. And mm -hmm. sometimes I have to like hang over some kind of cliff to <laughs> dangle the microphone somewhere in the river or something. Um, which is also like a test on muscle strength and uh, yeah, but it's, that's really cool. The, the active part um, I can also relate to, but yeah, I agree with you. I mean, also for me, it's uh, everything is enjoyable. The only thing that I really don't like is after recording lots of hours of material, like going through all that stuff. Um, but just the beginning phase, because then you listen to stuff and then you find things that you didn't hear while recording, which is also cool. Um, but yeah. You mean in relation to, to field recording? Yeah. Yeah. You have to be very organized, right? Mm. Well, <laughs> I would say it helps, but otherwise you can also thrive on chaos. <laughs> but Need more um, time then, but yeah, yeah, more time. But I mean, it depends on stuff. What I really like is that I, just like you said, you talked about footsteps, and maybe I want to stress that point a, a bit that um, you will probably record footsteps every time anew for every project, right? Yeah, for a film, of course. Yeah, that is also something that. I'm trying to build a library, but still, I mean, library 
of sounds that I can't easily reproduce. So if I have some prop that I have just access for for a week or something, I try to record as much as possible so I can fall back on that. But for everything else, I'm trying to do, even in field recording, I'm trying to do a bit of the, the Foley approach of whenever a new project comes along, I record a new, I record a new the nature, I try to record maybe another river somewhere else or with another microphone. So um, yeah, on the one hand, because I really enjoy the process, mm -hmm. but also on the other hand, I have a feeling that I want to make a unique soundscape for every project and don't want to like after, I don't know, 10 years have all the libraries and just use 90% um, from my computer. Yeah, so, that's, yeah, that's a very honorable approach. And I think the audio industry needs that. And I remember myself being a sound effects editor for many years, not recording my own sounds. I really just started that when I became a Foley artist. And being a Foley artist now for many years, I have a complete different understanding of sound effects editing and sound design because now I would always go for recording my own sounds and using libraries only as an addition to that. Yeah, And um, that's why I also encourage everyone, even in my coachings, to do exactly that. So with my coaching, I enable audio professionals to... Uh, build a let's say modular foley setup within their studio if it's an edit suite or a home studio or even a, a mixing room like mine um, because i think the whole industry can can profit from that and media in general can be even more as you said unique and more creative if those creative sound people in the world that have the capability to record their own sounds and have the imagination of that do that in a, on a daily basis. You know, when you have this setup yeah. in your corner and you're looking for a sound, um, you don't have to go to the library. You can also have a little amount of, you know, props and then just uh, just record the stuff. And and this is something I want to bring to to the world. That is something I found for myself that is so um, valuable that that I'm enjoying to to talk about that with others and even you know um, uh, enable people to do that so yeah. um, the people I coached so far they could come up with even a, a footstep performance within their 10 square meter Paris city apartment like there, there, there's one uh, coachee of mine Jonas shoutouts he, he lives in the middle of Paris has a 10 square meter room in his flat and uh, he delivered me a, a Foley scene um, that was just incredible after four weeks. Nice. That's also um, something I wanted to talk about because you say about uh, teaching and coaching. Um, and you're also sharing a lot of your tricks uh, with short videos. Mm -hmm. Why did you decide to do that? Just because you like it? Because it also, I mean, it probably takes some work to edit all those all those videos and you, you post them a lot. Um, I mean, mm -hmm. I, for myself, I really appreciate it. You're doing a great job. I always love seeing your videos in my feed, so Thanks. great job on that. Yeah, the, the, this was planned um, for a long time. Mm. So I think a couple of years ago, I, I kind of realized that being an influencer is a smart thing to do because it's like my business card out in the world and it enables me to build a network around me without networking and um, I understood that and because of that I built my studio exactly in that way so the whole studio is optimized for content creation 
like I have professional uh, film lighting here and uh, two Sony uh, full format cameras and uh, everything is basically designed for that reason so that I can cr create content in here. And I also enjoy myself doing that and uh, that's, why, that's why I went for it. And um, it, is a, it is a journey, I think, that, it's, that is worth for everyone who can see him or themselves in, in that role. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, yeah, as I said, the videos are, are amazing. Um, makes sense that there's this, this kind of setup uh, behind that. Awesome. And, and there's a process behind it and a whole science nowadays. Mm -hmm. And it's really interesting. Like, I started out maybe in April with this channel, The Foley Teacher, and not really knowing what, I, what I'm doing. And it took me a long time to figure out how I get my audio and my camera into OBS and everything works. So that alone cost me maybe three months, four months, until I finally started. And when I started, I didn't even use the setup. I used my, my iPhone for that mm -hmm. because the thing didn't really work how I wanted. And I thought to myself, like I said to myself, no, you have to start now. Even if the content is not the best, just do it right now because otherwise you lose more time. And then I started just using the, the Instagram app with this dual camera thing and nothing really happened. You know, I just had 200 followers um, after three months or something. And then I met um, this guy from Brazil, Israel Branco from Audiophilico Shoutouts. And he approached me telling me like, look, I have this channel and I'm doing um, a Foley Tuesday content thing every Tuesday. So maybe... You can send me a video and then I will post it on my channel. Cool. And he had back then like 5,000 followers. And I thought, yeah, cool idea. So I had a two-hour meeting with him just to get to know each other. And he was so kind to like share his understanding of social media. And, and he gave me really that final push with that saying to me, like, send me two small little short videos and then I will post them. So... This was like due on a Friday and I was traveling that Friday and I had only like one hour or something to, to get those two videos before I had to catch my train. And then everything kind of fell into place. So all the thinking I put into this whole like, okay, I need an entertaining short format kind of thing. You know, this thought was ongoing in my head for like two years maybe, yeah. but I had no idea how to make it real, make it happen. Um, and then when I was forced to do it, all those words just came out of my mouth, like peace, the Foley teacher, and this whole thing. I didn't plan that, you know? Yeah, perfect. Uh, but, it, but it was there. And, and then he also convinced me that I have to post every day. And then another friend gave me another sentence that was really useful to me. He said, always compare yourself to yourself the day before mm -hmm. and not look up to all those big influencers that have like millions of followers because they have a big team already and that is not helpful. So, so that enabled me to really do that. And I mean, I'm really astonished by the, the amount of time I'm doing this right now. It's maybe three, four months now. And the, the, pro, pro, um, you know, the, the development I'm going through is, is so immensely rapid. So that the video from four months to the videos I do now, there's such a big difference already. And now my whole understanding of social media broadened. So I know now that I'm only at maybe 10% of what I could achieve with this. 
in terms of content quality. You know, I'm not measuring the amount of reach I can get with it. Yeah, yeah, it makes sense. I mean, it makes sense that you, just like you said, this, this, um, yeah, this comparing yourself to your version of yesterday is, is a, a very healthy approach and also something that brings you forward in small steps. And then if you, like, like you said, if you're doing every day, then you, every day you're doing a small step, then after a few months, you've made a big leap. So that is amazing. Yeah, that's true. And yeah, could you maybe describe like a typical day at your studio? I mean, do you like have your plans where it's like, now I do this fully teacher content, now I have this project, or is it like every day is, is different? Mm, I'm working on that. So <laughs> up to a couple of weeks ago, I was in that um, regular context of, you know, doing my work for Ubisoft mm -hmm. and then um, making my coachings at the side. So I had like a couple of days where I had some time slots where I did my coachings then. And um, the content thing always happened in between and I ended up sometimes being so tired that I have to like stand up in the middle of the night and then shoot the video and then after that going back to sleep and then stand up in the next morning. So that was not really healthy. Mm -hmm. um, and now I'm at a point where I try to record my content on Tuesdays um, I always book like a, um, a slot with my hairdresser and then get my, you know, get my, get my looks and then try to record everything on that Tuesday. Oh, nice. And it doesn't work very well, but I managed to do it a couple of times already, recording six, seven reels in one day on a Tuesday with my shiny hair. <laughs> and um, other weeks it didn't really work out, but the longer I do it, the, the more, you know, uh, um, accustomed I get to it. And uh, that's really the way I want to um, do this also in the future and, and get better at that. Yeah, that seems like a good plan. And yeah, when you're doing those, those reels, um, do you have like a plan beforehand what kind of styles you want to do, what kind of sounds you want to do? Or is it something that you have to do anyway and have to record this specific sound and then you can like also make the the dual use and make a, a reel out of it. Yeah, it's kind of both. But um, also, this is something I really want to work on because I realized the more you plan your content, the more you plan your hooks, the more you script your reels, um, the, the better they will be and the more reach they will get and the less retention you will have um, within the video. Because like the, the first second is the most important And every second after that is the second most important. And, and I understood that. And, and this is not achievable by just getting dressed and start doing it. Mm -hmm. And that's my approach so far, to be honest. And um, I'm already working on some reels that have that kind of thinking within them. Um, I couldn't produce them so far. But I already start to think more about hooks, how to engage people more how to make them, you know, see themselves as participants and not only as watchers. Yeah. And to, um, like, give value in portions so that the people, you know, stay on the video. And um, these are all things I know now and I want to learn more and I want to become better at. And, yeah, sometimes it's just, like, also working with clients. They have certain needs certain things that we look into in the coaching last um, week we looked into ice recordings like ice mm. textures mm -hmm. how to record that in foley so now i'm definitely want to do one or two reels about that and um, 
For example, another client wanted me to make sounds for a collapsing building. So um, I recorded the whole recording session and then made a reel out of that. Um, and yesterday I just went live and had people watching me doing the Foley for that um, cinema documentary. And that also helps me, you know, because working alone um, sometimes can be challenging because there's no, um, no, no Foley mixer involved. And also there, then the motivation, you know, sometimes I recorded myself for a couple of months um, working every day on films back in 2019. Yeah. And sometimes it was really hard, you know, knowing that I have only four days to cover a full feature film or let's say full TV movie um, with, uh, with full M&E. And then being one day unproductive already like made so much pressure, which is possible if you work as a sound effects editor and you have like two weeks to finish the, the ambiences and the hard effects. You know, you can, you can be one or two days unproductive and then cover it on a weekend or something. Yeah. But it's not possible if you have four days and you have to be four days full on concentrated, 100% eight hours in, in order to get the content done. And um, now when I'm live with people and I can explain things and I can enjoy myself sharing that with others, it already uh, motivates me even more to get the best possible result. Yeah, that makes sense. And now that you mentioned this, this um, the, these deadlines, um, do you think... There has been a shift in getting e easier deadlines, or does it get even harder with like all those projects that have those four <laughs> four day deadlines, and you really can't miss a beat, otherwise you you miss your target. Because I also really think that's that's something that's not only unhealthy in the long run, but it's um, as you said, it also stifles a bit the creativity because you're so under pressure, and yeah, when something doesn't work, mm. then you lose time, so you probably tend to not experiment as as much as you would otherwise. I think that is that is just a problem of the whole linear industry because everything is so um, old right now. Like You know, the, the, the process of how to do Foley for a film is now very old and, and all the processes are known and people know how fast things can be done. <laughs> and um, so no one is willing to give more money for things that can be done for less. And so I think if you're not working on very high-class uh, productions that can afford that, you will be always in the realm of being on a timeline, especially now with the whole streaming and series and, you know, mm. 12 episodes and everything has to be on cinema level, but you have to deliver it um, in an insane timeline. That is something I hear from colleagues. I, I never encountered that myself. Um, within the games industry being employed full-time within a dev team. The whole thing was really different for me. I appreciate that also and I'm very thankful for that, that I could experience that, you know, that I have time for things and then we can iterate and we can get to the best possible result and time is not really an issue unless we are in the very end of the production and have to deliver, you know, the, the gold master. Yeah. But um, in my time as an employee, um, I always was on a timeline, but that was the best possible school for me because I had one film, one episode, one after the other, year over year over year, and that is how I got to where I am today. So it's always the perspective. Where are you in your career? What do you want to achieve? And 
if you don't have to do those heavy timelines, maybe you shouldn't. Yeah. But if you have to, what can you do? And I'm saying you should be into social media and get yourself to another level and, and, and think about different streams of revenue because if I'm really honest, you know, I'm also not willing to um, like sit in my 100,000 euro studio and edit Foley for 380 euros per day. Yeah. yeah Al although I enjoy the process of editing Foley, even if it's not my Foley, um, I enjoy that. I, I love that job. But for that amount of money in our times where things get so expensive and uh, the, the, the salaries or the freelance money for that kind of work is the same as it was 10, 15 years ago, that doesn't make sense. And I'm not willing to, to get into this. And, and that's also why I only offer Foley or re-recording mixing because that's the two things I can charge my studio in. That makes sense, yeah. And um, maybe uh, rolling a bit back, you mentioned like working for Ubisoft and um, as far as I read, you, you worked for the Global Audio Group there, right? Um, I worked for the Düsseldorf Audio Service. Oh, okay. Um, can, you, can you maybe discuss a bit of your experience, um, if you can talk about it, what, what that entailed, that job and um, yeah, what kind of projects did you work on and what kind of jobs did you get there? Um, I cannot really talk too much about that. Um, it was just a really great experience for me to be able to see how game development um, is being done on that level, on a AAA level. And it's so complex and so many things play into each other and inter be intertwined and it's, it's an amazing world and very complex world and you know, to, to get to a point where you have to think in assets mm -hmm. and single sounds being exported as a single sound and delivering thousands of, thou of sounds for, for one project is uh, just uh, a different thing. And it, it, it opened up my horizon and I'm, I'm, I'm really thankful for that experience and also that I'm now able after four years to deliver... Um, assets for AAA, um, even in my 18 square meter hybrid room. I mean, that is something I'm really proud of and the experience at UB was priceless. Yeah. And I, and, and I got my international AAA credits I always wanted. That's, <laughs> that's was, that was the first thing uh, why I went for the job. Because I wanted to work on the big jobs in Berlin with uh, Carsten Richter and Hanse Warns, but There was no spot for me and um, I wasn't up for going to London and, you know, enslave myself and my family for working on those films. Um, so I saw the opportunity doing that with video games and um, I'm, I'm really proud of uh, the titles that will be released um, soon and uh, only after they are released I can share that I've worked on them. Of course, of course, yeah, the, the age-old problem of the NDA. But yeah, those those pipelines, um, those production pipelines, really are something else. When you're when you're first getting in touch with like AAA and getting into the nitty gritty, it's like there's so much things attached, so many different departments, and they all have to, yeah, go together to create this this unique thing. Um, yeah, it's, it's always fascinating to me when when I see a video game that's working like 
I would say almost flawlessly. Um, of course, always people will complain about bugs or about anything missing. Mm -hmm. But if I see something that's a really nice experience, I, I now know how much time and effort and care is, is behind all that to, to, yeah, to work to that level. And it's um, just now I'm, I'm playing Alan Wake 2 because I'm a massive fan. And this is a game that, it, I mean, I had high hopes, but still... Um, I hope to talk to the audio team soon as well. That's it's just an amazing piece of artwork, and um, the the level of quality they they delivered is just astounding to me. Um, yeah, and working so many years on just one project that takes a special kind of dedication. Yeah, I remember Tim Nielsen saying uh, when he was asked like, "How long is the ideal time um, for you to work on a project?" He said something like three months. <laughs> And I was just thinking to myself, oh my God, you would be really unhappy with our job here. <laughs> yeah, most definitely. I mean, that's also something I'm, I really like that because I, I like seeing the, a game coming together and also feeling when, when a team really works. Um, and right now in the projects I'm working on, it does. And that is really satisfying because you can see that you're also influencing other things, not just sound. Maybe you're delivering a sound and then the animator says, oh, that's amazing, I'm going to change the animation so it fits better. Or maybe you have an idea that stems from a sound and then from that come the visuals. Um, that is always interesting to me. And I think that's that the game industry is probably the only industry where this happens right now because I, I mean, other than like the big productions like Dune, for example, where they have those special few people um, that really like get hired because of their yeah of their artistic sk skills, but otherwise mm -hmm. you probably get the finished product and deliver sound and have no, I would say no massive influence on on the outcome. Probably and yeah, uh, yeah that's something that's that's really cool in video games. Yeah. So you're also working on video games. Yeah, yeah, that's my my main my main thing is video games. I, I like oh. to play them. I like to build them, <laughs> and uh, yeah, I come from a programming background, so I have worked many many years as a programmer. And so that helps a lot with also doing the audio integration and some of the audio programming stuff. Um, so I'm trying to like fit both worlds into one. Yeah, yeah, that's really cool. I admire that. Thank you. <laughs> I I want I want your studio, so I admire your studio. <laughs> <laughs> no, but also I mean, as I said, like um, the whole thing, how you approach that, and um, yeah, maybe going going back to the the foley aspect because that's something. That's always fascinating to me when, when someone has done that for a very long time and it's, it interested me because I'm doing it like in a, I would say, amateurish level, mm -hmm. um, but trying to get better and better every day. Um, one question that came up for me was how, how do you go about selecting or even creating like the perfect props for your Foley work? I mean, I would guess you would go back to some ideas you already had or some materials you know how they sound. But do you have like a structure or is it just like a free flow experimentation phase? So I don't build specific props myself. Um, I also admire that, but it doesn't really like tickle uh, my fancy or how do you say that? So it's mm -hmm. not something I really want to go into myself. Um, but it's more like the, the, the free flow thing. So I, I think about materials, about textures, about objects. And if I see things... I always check them out and I remember like saying when I was starting with that, yeah, I'm not going to be the person who's like, you know, taking everything and making like uh, thinking about the sound of it. But uh, yeah, I was wrong with that. <laughs> um, so this this is definitely happening. Um, 
to add something to the whole Foley process, I think for me, crafting those sounds, mm, the thing that I that I started out as a dialogue editor and then did a lot of sound effects editing and um, also mixed a couple of films. You know, I had the whole picture before I became a Foley artist. I edited tons of Foley for years before I um, recorded my first take as a Foley artist. So, you know, knowing this whole back end of the process, like how it has to be sounding in the re-recording stage, uh, that helped me a lot, you know, to, yeah. to, be, to be the best version of myself as a Foley artist. Yeah, I, I can relate to that um, in, in the fact that when you learn about audio integration in video games, uh, it's the same when you know how they will be used and what challenges um, wait for you when you integrate the sound, then you yeah you get a, a whole new perspective of, of how to create or record sounds. And mm. yeah, yeah, maybe talking about um, tools or equipment for full recording, do you have anything? Maybe anything people don't know about, um, and I'm, I'm I'm trying to elaborate a bit. Um, I had. A guest on my podcast who's a field recordist who um, suggested a very cool like tripod boom pole in one um, which was so good that I actually bought it and I'm really happy because now my pack is even lighter when I travel so um, if you have anything any cool tools or I mean even microphones we already spoke about the one but if you have anything where it's like hey I'm not sure everyone knows about this this is very helpful do you maybe have some tips yeah the accelerometer is definitely my my number one tip also for field recording. Um, my number two tip is the preamps from ADT Audio. Um, Shoutouts Rosemarie Berges. And uh, Gerd Jüngling, rest in peace, developed all those brilliant tools. And the preamp has one cool thing that is the high cut and the low cut you have on, on the preamp itself as a, as a, a knob. And that enables me to adjust that according to the scene. Or if I want to make a, an ensemble kind of setting, you know, with many people walking, I can record one track uh, a bit um, more present. And then in the next take, I, you know, cut a little bit more of the high end and make it then already in the background. So that is for me like the most important tool um when i record and also the transient designer from spl mm, mm -hmm. i mean that is um, a standard for many people who record foley yeah and and this thing is um always in my chain um yeah with a little bit of attack reduction and sustain reduction um yeah and then the next thing i also use um eq and compression already when i record And then I even use a mastering uh, kind of summing Baritube channel from Tegla Audio. So that is, that is my, my, my recording chain. And for, for game audio, I use a sunken CUX100K. That is uh, not the CO100K. The CUX is a, um, a cardioid. And therefore, it's, you know, it's not taking so much of the room. And it records up to 100K. So if you record in 192, then you have like the best possible options to pitch down sounds later on. Yeah. And then a little other trick um, that maybe people know is I'm using an SM7B 
for um, a low-end um, addition to my signal. So, you know, in non-ideal rooms, you always have the problem or often have the problem that you get a very intense low-end response when you start walking in the room. And then you have to be eventually, you know, cut up to 150 hertz or something on your main mic. And to get the low end back into the signal, we developed something with uh, Fabian Weikmann, shoutouts, that we use a SM7 and then uh, give it a very intense low end boost, high cut and compression. And that is then mixed into the main mic so that we can get the low end back into the signal. And even if you have a good room where you can have a full frequency recording on your main mic, um, you can use the SM7 to uh, create proximity. Oh, that's nice. And um, that's um, something that maybe some people thought of. I, I talked with someone from the US who was also looking into my coaching. And then he said, ah, yeah, that's something I heard from my game audio friends. They record like that. I said, oh, interesting. I'm not the only one. I thought I was the only one, but... Of course, there are always people that are better than you or know more or have already done the thing you think you invented, so no yeah, problem. Of course, but, um, but it does matter. But yeah, that's, that's, uh, that's really something I also enjoy every day. No, that's really cool. Um, I also used it once with like two microphones and because I wanted the low end of the one microphone, mm -hmm. but I didn't think about like having this, this as a permanent setup. Um, and that's a really good tip, and I will look into that because I'm, I'm in a non-idle room right now, so <laughs> that speaks to me. Uh, thank you. Thank you for the tip. That's cool. Yeah, my pleasure. And yeah, going, going a bit more into like the future of Foley, um, maybe you have some thoughts about how, how you see like the future of Foley and sound design evolving in the future especially regarding maybe the rise of ai tools or even like ai sound creation do we have any thoughts about that as i uh, said before that my vision for foley is that every sound designer starts recording their own foley or custom sound effects and i think there will be always work for the thousand professional foley artists in the world that do the the work that no sound designer can pull off in his or her um, home studio. Except for me. <laughs> so you're not into uh, the rise of AI at all? I think it's a useful thing and I'm also aware of its you know, um, potential in both ways. So I'm not scared. Uh, you know? Same, this yeah. Is this something we can we can use and make the world better, or we can use it and make the world even worse? And the same goes for audio. Yeah, exactly. I have uh, one other question that's a bit unrelated, so the segue is a bit harsh, but um, I wanted to ask that as well. Yeah. Um, maybe thinking back on, on the many projects you have, um, do you have something in mind which was especially challenging, something that you like really, uh, yeah, had you had your head against the wall um, until you figured it out um, some problem that you had and like at some time it made click mm. in, related to Foley everything everything like I, I started out in a non-ideal room that was an ADR studio and I, I had to record a, um, a feature film in 10 days wow <laughs> and The first day, the first day, there was not even sound coming out of the studio because it was the first day that we, you know, we just built the studio 
and I didn't. I, I, I cabled everything. I hooked everything up myself. And on on Friday night there was no sound, so we had to figure that out on Monday. And on that weekend I was pouring the concrete surfaces, the modular ones, and I bought props with my mentor um, in the construction supply store and on flea markets. And and then I had to just start with that complex cinema project with like children like like um, teenage film with five protagonists like yet always like five protagonists walking and then 10 antagonists and it was like just uh, impossible to come up with a good result i mean we managed it the film was mixed everyone was happy but um it this this whole learning curve being there in the studio for four, three or four years every day was a challenge and only when I worked with uh, Fabian Weikmann um, for one and a half years um, through, straight through, then it made click. Before that, it was an uh, absolute challenge from, from, from the first hour to the last hour of the day. And um, I had to train the recordists. I had to train myself as a Foley artist. And then once that was, was done and I had a professional Foley mixer that had the same level of experience that I had. So really Fabian Weikmann is one of the best recordists I know also for ADR. And he's a brilliant sound designer, sound effects editor. So we worked one and a half years together. And I think after not even one year, it made click. And then we could finish all the TV movies in three days. Nice. Oh, that's that's good to hear because um like this every day a struggle <laughs> i can relate to that sometimes you have like this list of things to do and you have no idea where to start so it's good to hear that you can go from there to where you are now so <laughs> very encouraging but i'm enjoying the struggle you know now i'm in my new studio and i had to deliver that first linear project in here so luckily i had enough time but I, I invested more than double of the time that I was paid for um, in order to get a good result. And I, I enjoyed the process because that enabled me to know my room better and to try different things. And um, yeah, it's, it's, it's enjoyable. But of course, now I have a lot of experience that makes it easier, you know, to get that exploration done. Yeah, of course. And then you have a bit more time to, just like you said, to experiment because you know you can get all of the basics done for sure, because you know your your stuff. Yeah. 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 Very cool. Yeah, I think um, that's all of the questions I have. So the only thing that's left to do really is um, if you have any projects you're working on or anything else you want to shout out, feel free. The floor is yours. At the moment, I'm just happy that I'm now in the freelance world. Basically, the first time after I started in the post production and video games industry, I was kind of freelancing as a rapper for many years but now that i'm able to do that um on that level with that kind of uh, also appreciation from the world with this content and then being able to coach people and to mentor people and to give all these things back and to to see people you know evolving and appreciating it and getting better and sharing that creativity and being positive about all the things in life and enjoying myself and being able to potentially work with really like high-end clients and that people value me for that now so that I could prove myself for the last 15 years, you know, that I'm, that I'm now at that level. 
is just really like, I'm so thankful for that. Very happy to hear that and uh, well deserved. And uh, yeah, good luck with with your path. Um, so far, it seems to work. I really like your content. So <laughs> I, I will be following you. And, yeah, thanks uh, for inviting me. It's a real honor. And um, I wish you also all the best for, for everything that comes for you. Thank you. Looking for more audio-related podcasts to listen to? We're part of the Audio Podcast Alliance, featuring a hand-picked selection of the very best podcasts about sound. Be sure to hear the latest episodes from our friends in the community at audiopodcast.org. And if you've enjoyed this episode, please consider supporting on patreon.com slash fieldandfoley or ko-fi.com slash fieldandfoley, where you gain early access to episodes in lossless format and can submit questions for our guests. Thank you for listening.